with Joel Nikoloff and not Darnell Samuels and nobody else actually at this moment. But if you listen to last week's episode, you know we're about to jump into part two of WTF is happening with FTX. Uh, that part we we sort of already touched on the what is FTX and what happened as part one of the conversation. In part two, we really jump into centralized versus decentralized finance and why IJ doesn't trust SBF. And we also touch on uh, SBF's love affair with regulators and Democrats. On that note, Anthony, roll the clip. If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information. I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying. Is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted. Is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the success The success Obviously, what we're saying here has not been investment advice. And at, at oh, some yeah. point, if we get a little bit more... I don't think we've said anything about buying, right? So. No, no, exactly. So, but even still, the asset as a whole, you know, do yeah. your own due diligence. Obviously, FTX, FTT should be an example of how any of these coins could be could be a dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, be careful what you're investing in. So coming back to that, you know, I would say, what is it that made you not trust this guy? Is it the centralized de- versus decentralized part of it, or is it more to it? I think it's how huge, like, you know, one day FCX didn't exist, and then the next day it was all over. Like, I couldn't, that 2021, anywhere I looked at it, it was like, FTX this, FTX this, FTX. I was like, hmm, yeah. where did it come from? Where did it come from? And I mean, that is a totally different story to be had, but. It was like, well, this is kind of weird. And then this guy's out here saying, I'm going to give all my money. Anytime somebody says that, that they're going to give all their money away and that, they, you know, they all think that's, I want to make as much money as possible just to give it all away. It's, it always makes me suspicious, right? Because mm. if you, I mean, if you, if you grow up with no money, right, your goal is you, you make the money because you want to help your family, right? But then somebody who goes up and says, you don't want to make all the money in the world to then give it all away. It's like, well, Obviously, you weren't trying to make the money, in my opinion. There's another yeah. I mean, you're, you're, I, and I would say, like, you know, the idea of, like, not I want to give away. I want to have a lot to give away, right? That's not what he's saying, right? Yeah. He's, it's, I, I look at it like, okay, you, you care about people's perspective of you or the power such a thing will give you, yeah, right? Like, it, it, there's an ulterior it. motive, yeah, right? When, when, especially the, the, the absolute nature of those statements, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Again, I, I sort of intentionally used a different word of like, I want to have a lot of money so I can help a lot of people. Yeah. Right. Like I, I I'm first focusing on my own wealth, acknowledging that that will allow me to do more Yes. as yes. opposed to, I want to make money so I can give it all away. Like, that's a great, that's a great nuance uh, you made there. I like, yeah, that's a great nuance. Like if you had said it, if it said it the way you said it, right. I would be more trust because at this point there was a bunch of videos that came out of him right in his interviews like i had watched a bunch of interviews of his little like mini youtube docu-series made by like cnbc and maybe it's not cnbc i forget who it is um, and i was you know it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way but on top of that it's it it's how it's how much he started pushing i mean it was more so this year that he started pushing for regulation for the digital assets, mm, right? Mm, That's when mm. it was like, for yeah, me, you knew he wasn't trustworthy. That yeah, you know, in in a space which is in a space that's decentralized, you're going around, you know, in bed with all these regulators. 
and 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 essentially lobbying senators to sort of support um, regulating digital assets, uh, like trying to kill your competitors so that you can be the, you know, you can be the king of uh, king, you, you can be the new king, right? You'd be the kingmaker. Yeah. So it was, it, and, yeah, yeah. and the connections, there's so many coincidental connections that. Yeah. Like you, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of things. So, yeah. So, so for me, you know, this, the centralized versus decentralized, I think, you know, another way of looking at it is uh, I heard, It'll be in, I'll have a bunch of stuff in the show notes page, but one of the podcasts I was listening to, they use the terminology that the crypto industry looks like, looks at FTX like a historical financial institution. And the historical financial industry looks at FTX like a crypto business. Mm-hmm. And and so that ties into the regulation piece. And, and, and I want to, I'll get there and we'll get there. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the nature of, it's really that decentralized versus centralized, right? Centralized finance is historical legacy finance. That's what it is. That's what your bank is, right? You go to the bank, they're a centralized place where they hold your money for you. They control all the transactions you want to initiate mm-hmm. and, and do it for you. You're mm-hmm. not actually doing it, right? Like they have to send the money to your, you know, bell bill or your mm-hmm. bell account. Now you set it, you put all the programming in there, but they're the one actually, you know, facilitating the transaction. Yeah. You're not ledger, right. That's like, yeah. Well, this is why the legacy banking system has a two day clearing house, mm-hmm. right? Like this, this two day clearing house is a centralized finance problem or, or the symptom is maybe, or, or feature is probably a, a better term for it. Whereas the decentralized is getting to the idea that like, I don't need them. Now, not to say you couldn't use an entity to work on your behalf, right? If you're um, uh, in a b- business or let's use a nonprofit world, I may want to use a custodian because that allows me to, to have double authentication. So in the nonprofit world, most checks have to have two signing officers. Hmm. Well, I'm going to need some level of maybe, uh, let's say, service provider if one of my signing officers is technologically incompetent. Hmm. Right. And so it's not that I don't rely on people, but the idea is it's not like in Canada, we got five banks in America. You've got the central banks that bail everybody out. Hmm. And, and so you you've essentially created this um, monolithic system back when we had um, oh, the name, I, uh, a couple episodes uh, like two years ago. There's this one line that I love um, and it was. And uh, the name, um, what's his name? Oh, I'm going to feel so bad. That I can't remember. Um, but the line was centralization removes the means for error correction. Okay. Centralization removes the means for error correction. In- and, and, and in general, right? Like the more things are in one place, mm-hmm. the inability for people who identify a problem to make a change. Well, the more centralized something is, the more fragile it becomes, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So the idea is that when you know remove the errors are there, the ability to correct it is small, and the ability for the error to cause it to break, uh, what you're saying, fragile, right? So you're saying I would say a uh, a similar thing to what I've said, right? Because it's more fragile because I can't correct for the error in mm-hmm. in a microcosm. And, and that's what, you know, I would say the free market or the market is, is a number of decentralized actors all coming together and they're aggregating information through prices. 
And so prices are communicating when, oh, I got to make this change. I got to make that change. And that's where central planning or centralization, it's all top down pushed decision making and, and the individual signals don't uh, result in quick response. Whereas in you're a small business, you're like, oh, the cost of one of my supplies went way up. What do I do? Oh, I switched to the alternative. Mm-hmm. But if you're a huge business, the ability to do that or, you know, the bigger business have more difficulty. Mm-hmm. To, to make such changes. And so that's where the more you continually to centralize and like FTX, right? The, the issue is also that they were, uh, and, and so let me read this little, uh, it's called sovereign reacher, sovereign research and advisory group. It used to be called sovereign man. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a podcast associated with this blog, but I'll put both in the show notes page. So this is the guy, uh, his comment. He wrote this in my view, FTX isn't even a crypto business. It's a financial institution. Little different than the Bank of America. When you make a deposit in the Bank of America, that money becomes Bank of America's asset. In other words, legally, you no longer own your money. Mm-hmm. It's Bank of America's money. You become an unsecured creditor to the bank. And subject to certain regulatory limitations, Bank of America can go and gamble with your money on mm-hmm. crazy loans and investment fads. We've seen plenty of examples of banks recklessly speculating with their depositors' funds in the past. The entire 2008 crisis, in fact, was because banks gambled with their customers' money, and it almost brought down the banking system. This is basically FTX's business model. They took in customers' deposits, included cash and crypto, or sorry, including cash and crypto. Those deposits became FTX's assets, and customers became unsecured creditors of FTX. This is the way any financial institution works. And FTX was essentially a financial institution, highly centralized with a distinct lack of transparency and the added risk that the single moron had control over everything or a single moron, not the single moron. Um, Frankly, this is the opposite of what crypto represents. Crypto is all about decentralization and transparency and that no single person or group has control. So FTX in no way represents crypto. It's just another conventional financial institution that acted irresponsibly with other people's money. And that's something that we, I, you know, I, I, we didn't mention is, <clears throat> you know, one, the, the leaked, the leaked um, balance sheet, balance sheet, right? <clears throat> well, through that, we found out that, that SBF was, my throat, one sec. Yeah, I, I think where you're going, there's a whole bunch of loans. To, to both SBF and other shareholders from these, like Alameda. Yeah, they were and, essentially and so, going back and forth and they were using, you know, users' funds to bail each, uh, bail, uh, you know, Alameda needed money, they would take the user's fund. Yeah, margin so, call. you're not supposed to do, right? what you're not supposed to do. And there's a funny video that's gone around of Caroline, the CEO of oh. Alameda, where she said, you know, she, she, I believe she has a, a BA in mathematics. Oh, she's apparently like a math genius. Like, okay. Her, her, like she's apparently like really, really smart. I did a little bit of reading on her. Okay. There's yeah, a, I mean, but that's what everybody said about Sam Bankman-Fried as well. Right. So yes, yes, let's, yes, let's, yes. let's hold, let's hold that. I mean, geniuses back. can still be idiots. Let's, let's be serious. <laughs> but she, there was a video of her going on saying, Oh, you know, it's on a podcast where they asked her, you know, how much math do you use? And she said, Oh, I don't, we don't really do. We don't really, <laughs> I don't really use complex math. I use like elementary math. Maybe we also don't have margin calls, uh, um and <laughs> until it, we had one. Know, like, uh, 
you know, and now retrospectively, I'm sure when people are watching it, they're like, they must have thought, because I, I only saw this video post yeah. know, debacle. So I'm sure people who saw it then, if you're sort of caught up in the hype of FTX and Alameda, you're like, wow, this person's a genius. They don't even need to use complex max. That's how good they are. And now retrospectively, it's the opposite, right? Um, yeah. But yes, yeah. it, they essentially just lent out. And that's what all, that's what all your banks do. Right, you yep. don't own. I mean, the best example I know, I know we talked about this in a previous episode is you know when the Freedom Convoy happened, you know people's banks were frozen and they're frozen because and they couldn't use their cards, they couldn't use anything because you're not the owner. You're essentially not the owner, and that's I think that's a very, I think that's a difficult um, concept for maybe like older generations to. Uh, grasp if you you know and, and where the freedom of uh, bitcoin specific I, f- I feel like i've become more of a bitcoin maximalist throughout this time dude okay <laughs> so i was gonna say this to the end but uh i agree uh, i've i've been trending in that direction i love robert breedlove's term i'm a shitcoin mm. minimalist yeah i like robert breedlove um, yeah, he, so and, and what that really is talking and and this is an oversimplification so if you're if you're big on proof of stuff, not financial I'm, advice yes not finance but but proof of work versus proof of stake, the, yeah. the shitcoin minimalist argument would be that proof of stake resembles fiat currency. Oh, and, and it's it's and it's it's more like a it's it's a security, right? It's it's more of a security. Um, um, yeah, and- I, I yeah, I, I would say to you, there's there's a greater opportunity for security because of the contractual part. But um, I think uh, the way that I would look at it is, I I would say long term. This is somewhat of my hypothesis. Long term. Proof of work will it'll be a requirement for a base layer, sort of your your true money. A lot of mm-hmm. these proof of stakes will really be um, let's call them applications to a proof of work coin, right? Mm-hmm. So so something that's deemed money, these yeah. things will likely become layers on top of it. That and again for the 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 non crypto person, really just think of it as like you're adding a, an application with a contract that uses money uh, on top of the money system. Mm-hmm. My future um, prediction with Bitcoin specifically, if it survives, which I think it'll survive, is that as humans become more and more advanced, and let's say we go inter- interstellar, Bitcoin will become the payment. Because what in, in space, gold is abundant, right? There's a freaking rock floating in space right now that's worth <laughs> a trillion dollars. Now, what are you going to do with that? Um, so, so, to, and so this is the argument with, with gold historically was an example of proof of work. And mm-hmm. and so that's where, you know, the argument towards crypto is like, or Bitcoin, I should say. And, and Bitcoin. Bitcoin's a better gold. Yeah. But, but the idea is that I actually have to do work, which is sort of a, a hindrance to fraud or a hindrance, right? Like the fact I can't just create the money, whereas proof of stake, I could just in theory create the money and, and, and I don't have to do anything. Whereas proof of work, there's, there's something that it's proven that somebody worked or executed energy in order to create this money. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so that I, I'm just trying to slight parallel. Again, there's lots yeah. of people who do a way better job of that than me. Um, I think we've you've done a pretty good job on the decentralized finance. So let's touch on, you know, SBF's lo- love affair with regulators, as I refer to it. And then also, <laughs> you know, Democrats. Um, oh, you know, you, yeah. you talked about him donating a bunch of money to the yeah. Bahamas government Yeah. in 2020, he was the second biggest donor behind Bloomberg. And I think it was $20 million he had given to the Democrats mm-hmm. in the current election. 
Yeah. He was gave $40 million mm-hmm. and he was the second biggest donor behind George Soros. Yeah. To the Democrat party to be Democrats. Clear. Sorry. Yes. And clear. and he had planned. I think he said he and planned this was like to give days before, like or like even maybe a week or two weeks before the whole scandal erupted. Yeah. So Forty yes. million of users, most likely users' funds. Yes. Gone. And he had said he was going to give one billion dollars in the twenty twenty four election, mm-hmm. which would have blown every single you know political donation money out of the water, in in terms of a historical precedent. Oh, so there's so many strange things about FTX, right? Like again, this is retrospectively. Like there's some, like I mentioned, there's like coincidental timelines, right? Like in April, uh, Biden announces his presidential election, and then SBF launches FTX, and then overnight it becomes like this huge success, right? It's like what? It came out of nowhere, um, <clears throat> and then you had like, uh, so this is where it gets. There's all these like very strange connections that are happening, right? So his... Uh, so here, it, before, I love this line. The problem with conspiracy theorists is they fill in the details. Yeah, We're not filling in the details. It. We're just, just giving the details. We're not yeah. filling in the differences. We're just, no. here's the point. Hey, this thing happened. This thing happened. What, yeah. What's the connection is... Let's let that's the exactly. uh, fraud investigators of FTX figure that out. 100%. I, yeah, that's, that's the best way to put it. So like, so there's, there's some very interesting things. So... Uh, both Sam Bankman-Fried's um, parents and Caroline and Caroline, his girlfriend, the CEO, both of their parents, or at least the father for her, for her father, but both uh, SBF's parents are profs, right? Uh, SBF, SBF's moms, uh, Barbara Freed, because he he took his parents a lot. Uh, like the hyphenated, the hyphenated stuff, and she does like tax policy. She's like a professor, of, like. That does expertise. Uh, she's an expert in tax policy and distributive justice. The father, um, the father uh, J- J- Joseph, is uh, helps Silicon Valley um, startups structure their money in such a way for taxes. And then this, and then both of them are uh, both of them are huge Democrat supporters, and they both uh, like help. I forget what they call. They're like a term where you collect money in bundles and then like bundle givers or something like that oh i think it's uh like the packs or something like yeah they collect money and give it to the like the huge amounts right yeah yeah, so that's the other weird thing is um caroline the ceo of alameda her father right glenn is the was an mit prof the chair and his and you know who worked under him who Gary Gensler. And Gary Gensler is? And Gary Gensler is the head of the SEC. Um, so, and what was happening up until that point, and there's a, there's a senator in the U.S. Uh, that came out uh, saying that we're, inve- we're, we're going to investigate Gary Gensler because of his ties to Sam Bankman-Fried. Because mm. um, Sam Bankman-Fried, didn't, I think there was some news that came out that uh, Gary Gensler was helping SBF and FTX with regular re- regulatory advisory, like who is it helping yeah. advising, which is obviously uh, seems like a conflict of interest, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing with the whole regulation, right? Like the way regulation is happening in this industry is so problematic, period, right? Like one, what you're talking about, FTX was like 
promoting regulation. And and this is the thing. Most people who are, maybe if you listen to the show, you listen to me rant and rave about regulation. I've always said free market is the greatest regulator because as soon as you protect property rights, all other regulation is just a, in my opinion, just a byproduct of what a, you know, court system would rule anyways. You're just trying to prevent it. And the question of whether you actually prevent harm is, is where I think we never evaluate. My argument would be restitution is what matters. But anyways, the point is that in this industry, he's working with the regulators. And the argument would be the reason is to protect himself from competition. From And the reason, the simple argument for that is this. The larger you are, the more you already have lawyers and, and people on payroll that will help you bear the burden of additional regulation such that you're so big, the regulation burden is relatively small. But if you're a small business, you basically have to do the almost the same amount of work as a big business. So you end without up bearing the without the funds, right? So now you're bearing a higher burden, which essentially becomes a barrier to enter the market. So this is why you, as a regular, as a big business, which FTX became, working with regulators becomes the ability to prevent decentralized exchanges, small exchanges from exploiting, and exploiting is not the right word, but you're exploiting market opportunities that may be niche or small that FTX might have a handle on today because there's no competition. Mm -hmm. And so the other, so that's one thing he's working with regulators, trying to promote regulation in the industry. You know, we sort of hinted at this already. The other problem with regulation here is that the sec and others are trying to, um, they're trying to back their way into regulation. They're suing companies and forcing the court systems to say, yes, these regulations apply mm -hmm. rather than pass a regulation. And part of the reason they would do that is it makes it retroactive. Right. Mm -hmm. So the problem is that the regulators, in theory, sat on their hands for way too long. If they were going to regulate, they should have put something in place after the first ICO disaster. Mm -hmm. And, and In theory, yeah. that, that, that would have been the time to regulate come up with guidance so that new companies know what the rules are. When you have no regulation, you leave it to companies to make judgment calls that you might turn around late years later and say, no, that was the wrong call. Well, how was I supposed to know? Right. And so this yeah. is, this is the problem that the sec is doing is there'll be like, I think Telegram's a good example. Telegram tried to create a coin. They were doing an initial offering on it and then they oh. had to cash crash it because the sec is like, Oh no, this is security. We're going to sue you. Oh, really? Interesting. I didn't know I, that. I, th I think this was like 2018. Like it was a long time ago, the Telegram <laughs> one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but but this is the thing. They're, they're taking the like historically an abnormal approach to, <laughs> to building regulation in the industry, which again, it just makes it such a much messier problem. And you end up potentially going like argue. You said it already. Arguably, all the proof of stake stuff is a security. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, they yeah. dropped the ball, right? Right? Because in 2018, sorry, 2018, really when that ICO craze went crazy, yeah. you make that ruling then changes mm -hmm. the entire game for the next ten five years that we've all been living in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, at the same time, would we see the amount of innovation that has happened since? Maybe not, right? So I mean, there's well, a lot no, that we'll find out what question. happens, right? Like the it's it because because what SBF was doing and you know if you guys if anybody in the crypto world knows Bitboy Bitboy had this huge rant maybe like a week before 
this whole thing blew up maybe two weeks before about where he said SPF is the, I think he called SPF Satan or something. <laughs> he's like, he, he, he kept calling him some sort of name um, about how, you know, like he's been lobbying senators uh, to, to, to essentially clamp down stronger on all these digital assets. And essentially they're the, the and that's part of the reason why CZ, the founder, uh, the, the CEO of Binance, they had some back and forth because he he tweeted some cryptic tweet, you know, right before all this happened that there's some people going around uh, Binance's back trying to get them out of the country, right? And, you know, retrospectively, that seems like it was FTX, right? <laughs> yep, yep. And so it's, a, 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 and how did Sam have all this power? Well, one, we already mentioned he gave money to the uh, to, to the government in the Bahamas. Uh, he was, you know, he seems to be close to like Bill Bill Clinton because he, he you know he was he had on a, a whole, panel I think on a panel and I think they had more than a panel. The panel. No, but like, I, I remember a clip. Yeah, like... that's right. <laughs> uh, and then FTX was even posted as a partner on the World WEF? Economic Forum, yep. which yep. not surprising. They scrubbed it off of their website. But if you go to the Wayback Machine, machine, yeah, yeah, way back machine. <laughs> you can find it. You can find it. It's there. And, you know, another, you know, another uh, well, uh, WEF connection is uh, SPF's aunt, Linda Freed, is a partner at the, uh, the World Economic Forum, right? And so there are like all these peculiar connections. connections, you know, that are happening. So you wonder... Because one thing that SBF never, ever has revealed or has been quite wishy-washy about is where did he get the initial um, startup capital Startup capital to for his, Almeida? Yes, right? to do his arbitrage trading, which you need a ton of money to make a ton of money, right? Um, but never once has, like if you, you can find all these clips, I think now people are like clipping it together uh, of him. People ask him, so where did you get initial capital? Uh, and then he'll like, totally won't even answer that question. He'll answer some like random question and, and people forget he'll, about he'll it. He'll ignore it. He'll just ignore yeah. it. Yeah. Which, again, we're not filling in the details. We're not making any speculations. We're just pointing out all these obscure sort of random disconnections that go, dude, this, like, it, it's, you know, it, it's more and more like, you know, if I want to be a little bit speculative, it's yeah. almost like he was a plant. That's what it seems like. Right. Like even the failure is now like, you know, we know that what's the political line, right? Never let a tragedy go to waste. Yeah. Like the regulators are going to basically go, oh, this is the reason why, you know, you need to regulate, needs to regulate. And, and, you and know, all I, the work has been done prior to the collapse, right? All the lobbying, all the money has been done. And then the collapse happens. So now what? Well, and arguably, this is the one company who was closest to the regulators that yeah. in theory should have been already the most protected because they were the ones knowing what the regulations were coming. I heard, I, and I can't remember where I heard this because I've been listening to a bunch of content. One of the things that happened was the regulators actually pushed all of the FTX US activity that yeah. would have fallen outside of the regulation into the international entity, which means it's outside of the regulator's eyes anyways. Huh. Right? And so, you know, think about it like, all of the, let's call it, I'm just oversimplifying, but let's say you have a super risky trading strategy that's not allowed in America. Well, what do you do? You do it in your partner entity that doesn't have that same restriction. Right. And so, you know, if you, because you can't regulate the entire world, what you're doing is you're pushing, you know, certain rules that are arguably overly burdensome such that they go elsewhere. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, it's the same. Look at look at China. Right. They tried to shut down Bitcoin mining five times. <laughs> right. Like, th- like people, companies, people don't learn. Like regulation does not always. Well, I should say, the regulation never has perfectly intended consequences. Yeah. There's yeah. always unintended consequences because yeah. you're you're trying to manipulate people to do what you want. And from an economics perspective, the argument would be you need to change their incentives. The idea there is by, oh, by adding a regulation, I'm removing the incentive. But that doesn't mean you didn't change the incentives. They still have incentives. You just ignored all the other potential ones that they had. Mm -hmm. And you went, well, because I took this away, they're now going to act this way. And, you know, on the point about the regulation um, and pushing it off, one hypothesis that's sort of floating around as to why Binance didn't bite was that they realized if they bought FTX US and international, though technically FTX US was not part of it, um, and that's what they wanted, was that the, they would be able to be regulated by the US, mm. by the feds. So Yeah, that's because they're, they're not operating here. No. Right. Yeah. So Which, I, like what you said about FTX, you can't come to Canada and, uh, or you can't use uh, Binance in Ontario anymore. That's right. You can, yeah, yeah. I have to take my stuff off. I think if you, like maybe in December or something, right? I think that's when they yep, stop. Yeah. I mean, of course, if you're in Mexico, then then you could use your Binance account because you're not in Ontario. But oh, okay. <laughs> but anyways, because um, I, I, I think it's more based on like IP address gets blocked, oh, based I as opposed to, okay. I mean, because they also have very like I think you can have a relatively low level of like proof of person. With all, yeah, with, I think that's like KYC one, KYC two, right? Something like well, that. Well, and and I mean, you're, but even like you could be a non KYC if you're not buying with fiat, right? Like most oh, of these exchanges, okay. right? See, like if, like if you sent it, if I just put else. crypto, like I can send cryptocurrency to an exchange. A hmm. lot of exchanges, I could have a really low, like I literally have to give them an email address potentially. Now these yeah. might be more, you know, less trustworthy than like in Canada. Your most trustworthy ones, I would think, would be ShakePay and Newton. At least they're so the most common. Coin Square. I think Coin Square is actually the most trusted. It's like oh, the okay. legacy one. It's a legacy one. Right, but but you know they're, they're trusted here, but that's because they have a strong level of like prove who you are. Yeah, yeah now, there's so many documentations. Right, you got to give them all this documentation, but you could then take that co- the crypto asset and send it to another exchange where all you had to give them was your email address mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now potentially operate there now. Yeah. And maybe that's cause I want some obscure coin, like, you know, Bitcoin SV and, and most exchanges don't have it. Yeah. So I go to the one that has it. And yeah. if I'm in Ontario, I have to figure out a way to like do it while I'm in another country. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've been, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say there's one last coincidental thing about this whole thing about this whole ftx sbf his brother sbf has a brother who has an organization called influence watch where they openly state like if you look up i think it's like influencewatch.org or so i forget what it is if you look it up it's uh it, it was created in 2020 it's just uh, they openly state that they're left wing and they support like uh, uh, like a stronger regulation around pandemic stuff pandemic prevention i think that's the term and on on the about section it has says and they're lobbying to get uh, this the lobbying is the term i'm using but they're essentially lobbying to get 40 million dollars i think it's 40 mil, uh, 40 million or 40 
billion is one of them <clears throat> from the Biden administration to be put towards uh, uh, pandemic prevention. So, hmm. you know, it's like his whole family is somehow tied up with politics, right? His, both his parents are, are fun Democrat party. His brother has this company, um, which is also openly left wing, uh, left leaning, according to their site, you know, and they have all these uh, WF ties. So, it, you know, like you said, is it, if anybody sort of looks at this just from an outside perspective without anything, just like just the info that's kind of yeah, dropped, the, the you data think, points. There's like this is way there's there are too many coincidental things for it just to be coincidental. Now it could obviously at the end of the day, it could still be coincidence. Well, and, and I mean, you know, what's crazy, like, again, I made reference to Bernie Madoff already, but like mm-hmm. contrast. He was the head of the SEC, wasn't he? No, he, Bernie Madoff, he was, was the it? greatest Ponzi scheme no, no. known to mankind. Yes. But even <laughs> okay. but while he was oh. doing that, he was, I think he was like the chief something for, uh, I forget what it was, because what ended up happening was there was a, there was a 15 page document leaked to the sec about the ponzi scheme and the sec ignored it uh yeah there's yeah i forget what it was well and and i mean you know when when the reason i brought him up though was like you know think about how long that scheme went on right like this is like no i'm sure the the bernie madoff scheme partly was a an aspect of i stopped getting as good of results as i was early on Mm -hmm. and i wanted to keep up my reputation and then it got out of control yeah now, I'm assuming you probably have a similar scenario here, but it took, you know, something like Luna being mm-hmm. the catalyst, right? So had Luna not happened earlier in this year, and my guess is they didn't really have a good standard of, hey, let's not invest in this or invest in that, right? Yeah, but they, they were- also think that there's also, uh, you know, the the, the, the uh, running around, the hypothesis running out that SPF is the one that took down Luna. Mm. Right? Fair, was, yeah. Who, who had all the bets against it, so... True. I mean, and I mean, we'll find out, I'm sure, as as you know, this company is probably going to become a very transparent through all of the investigation and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, to, to wrap up as we do, uh, what's your two cents, you know, and, and for the audience? What's my two cents? Uh, do you remember the CEO of Theranos? Do you remember what her no. name is? No. Theranos was this, this big biotech company that um oh i do know what you're talking about her name is though like how can i forget her name the only reason i'm bringing her up because there's some sort of there's like small connection so she she uh, theranos was a company a startup huge startup elizabeth holmes elizabeth holmes and there's a huge this company was had such huge valuation they said they could you know uh, they could detect cancer through like like, they they, they said all bunch of them with like one drop of the blood and she was also unsurprisingly on fortune 500 you know um and then turns out the whole thing was a scam like the technology never worked she had she had relations with her cto um just like sam begman had relations with this almeida ceo and she just got her sentence uh for 11 years for you know unfortunately and she I, I would say she did quite a lot of damage to people because there were people who took the testing because i think it was in walgreens their little um kit. thing their kit um and you know there were people who were misdiagnosed like because of this uh but then she only got 11 years which you know i don't know if that's obviously i'm, I'm not a law expert here but 11 years doesn't 
Maybe that seems like a lot. To me, it doesn't seem like a lot for all the massive screw up that you did. So with SPF, you know, maybe you'll get like 125 years because there's so much, so much involved. But you know, dude, honestly, though, years. I wouldn't be surprised if Ross Albrick still has a way bigger charge than he does. Yeah. Right. Do you know Ross Albrick? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Of course, I'm, I'm assuming you do. For the listener, yeah. basically Silk Road, he created this crypto. He created basically like a market for people to buy and it's sell. It's a marketplace. Things. It was a marketplace. That's it. He just used crypto. So it resulted in a lot of people doing business and things that the government didn't want them to be doing business in. But because he created this marketplace, the guy's got like 120 years or something ridiculous. Yeah, something ridiculous. But he right. never did a single thing violent. He's purely like, you know, uh, a young kid who arguably made a mistake and, you know, they threw the book at him. And I would say, to me, it's simple. You it should be the reverse at this point, right? You challenge the state is much more of an offense than defrauding somebody. Defrauding millions of people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You offend, you, 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 you challenge the state, they'll, they'll, they'll put you through hell. You, you, you destroy a bunch of people's lives, which, you know, a bunch of people's life savings were on FTX. So, but, yep. you know, they don't really, the state doesn't really care too much about it. I mean, I, I, they do care, but not at this level with um, Silk Road. Which to mm-hmm. me still blows my mind. You know, people use money to do all sorts of illegal things, but none of the ATMs are in, 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 in you know, are destroyed. Yeah. Anyways, that's my two cents. Joel. Yeah. No. And and you know, for me, um, the the issue that I see is um, around sort of the regulation side of it, right? That that like there is nothing regulation could have done to prevent this. Hmm. Right. And, and this mm-hmm. is the problem, right? Like the Bernie Madoff was under all of the regulations you could have been under when someone's committing fraud and, and they're deceiving people, it, regulations don't make a difference. Right. And, and I, I love, there was the one line in the, in the piece that I read, um, that he said, um, and FTX was essentially a financial institution highly centralized and a distinct lack of transparency mm-hmm. with the added risk that a single moron had control over everything. So highly centralized and a distinct lack mm-hmm. of transparency. What's crazy is what happened in response to this. I don't know if you, all, all the exchanges that I'm on, mm-hmm. I got an email oh, telling me yes. about here is the method that we operate. Yes, yes. Essentially demonstrating we're not like FTX. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the best ones I heard of people who refer to is Kraken, um, yeah, as, as an exchange where we don't touch the customer's assets. We don't touch the customer's funds. Right. So this is what I saw from ShakePay and, and Newton basically yeah, Shake statement Newton, of, coin square. They all did it. Right. Sending an email, just say, confirming we did like, here's how we operate. And so, uh, and I've heard someone else say the, the solution to stuff like this is for businesses in this industry, in crypto, to be exceptionally transparent on so, here's how we operate, here's how we make money, here's what we do, right? And I think a, a similar total random, uh, someone was talking about it to me at work today. What's happening with uh, the credit card companies, right? They got sued, mm-hmm. and now they're going biz- to they basically had a stipulation they weren't allowing their customers to charge the up fee yeah. for the, the the expense that that. MasterCard and Visa would charge them for processing a, transactions. 
Yeah. Well, now businesses are going to be allowed to charge that. And yeah. my, my, the reason I bring that up is like us as customers were lacking transparency <laughs> because we didn't understand, Hey, if I paid by debit, I only charge the company 10 cents as mm-hmm. a fee versus four and a half percent or, you know, whatever my credit card was going to charge. Mm-hmm. And so that me in the industry, like in finance, I get it. I knew it. I, you know, if I went to a small business, I would use my debit card on purpose. Mm. If I went to like shop, you know, big business, big corp. I don't care. Like I'm not trying to help you out. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but my point is like transparency influences my behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that really is, you know, when you start to go, Oh, uh, and and again, go back to what I say about regulation. Why is the free market the best regulator? Because reputation becomes the primary decision maker. Mm. What I would argue happens through regulation and through things like FTX, people fa- gain a false sense of trust because, oh, someone else is going to make sure they're not screwing me. Mm-hmm. And that they have what's now, what's coming out as a proof of reserve, right? To show yes. what yes. you actually have. Um, now, again, you know, that's, uh, I think that's much better. That's probably, yeah, that's probably like the best thing to do right now, but it's still, you know, you can still be manipulated. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, no. there's, there's, I think the next, you know, I, I wonder if crypto.com, which is one of the other large exchange sponsor of the UFC, sponsors a bunch of other stuff, you know, if that's going to fall, because they also have their own printed, uh, they created their own token called CRO or Crow. You know, and I don't forget what the valuation is at right now, but you know, if, if that falls, it's like two of America's. I wouldn't say America's darling Coinbase is still there, but it's it's you know. So we'll, we'll see what happens in well, the next few. And and I think you know again go back to like what this article said, um, that reckless speculating with depositors' funds. The, this the reason why FTX failed is because they don't have a central bank to bail them out. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is the point where de- the, again, I would argue this is demonstrating the business case for crypto because I, I do the companies that take my assets and play with them in order to get return mm-hmm. are also the ones who are going to be saying, Oh, we'll pay you 8% to hold your coins here. Yeah. Or 20%. Like there's one crazy one. that was like no. 30%. Well, this is not investment advice. The sniff test that I've heard was basically along those lines. If somebody is offering you high returns, how are they getting it? How yeah. are they able to pay you? This the is why I never are- trusted Celsius. That was the other company. I, I know it was big, you know, a lot of, a lot of, it was a lot, a lot of people loved it because uh, I forget what his name is. Alex. Alex was like all over a, a bunch of, darling uh, crypto podcast he was like oh you know it's but anytime because celsius was providing i think like six or eight percent returns if you deposited your bitcoin you know and i had a friend that was thinking about celsius i was like man i would never put it in don't put it in don't touch i don't it. think i don't think he ended up doing it and then you know lo and behold celsius went boom collapsed so joel so- was giving great advice if it was of an advice, I don't, I'm not saying it's advice, but <laughs> Joel, it's a sniff test for avoiding. It's a sniff, yeah, it's so, a sniff test for avoiding. I mean, I'm not telling you where to put yourself. your money. I'm telling yeah. you not to wear you, where, where it's maybe not a good call. Yeah. Via no. negativa. That's what but, but this is where, that's where the question is. Where are they getting the return? Are they getting the return because they actually have an exceptionally strong business model and, yeah. and you know, they're demonstrating here's why we make so much money right? Like use Coinbase as a good example. Is it because you're adding liquidity and they're making higher returns because they're offering 
a Coinbase Pro trading platform that gives you more info. And yeah. so, you know, they need liquidity and that's why, right? And again, I'm just sort of making up a scenario where like the rationale behind why can they pay the returns is what's more important than just going after the return. Mm -hmm. So, IJ, thank you. We appreciate your time, uh, you know, for the for the audience. Uh, how can they reach out to you? How can they uh, get in contact with you or follow you? What What's up with you? Uh, Twitter, Twitter, IJ McCann, M-A-K-A-N. I forgot I didn't put my last name on this thing. Absolutely. That's where I'm at usually. I, um, and then on it, you can go, you can find um, a, uh, a Substack that I write, which is like ijmcon.substack. Um, and then um, aiming for the return of Kazingham Dialogue. And then we'll have Joel back as a guest. So that will probably happen like next next year. So it's like I said, it's been, we took a break for a bit, but yeah. Thanks, Joel, for having me on. Thanks, Darnell, for uh, not being Taking present, so I could be <laughs> so I could be here. That's good. That's good. But, well, and and I mean, this is you know for for the audience, I'm I'm assuming I'll probably figure out a way to split this into two episodes because you know we're an hour and twenty in. So you know if yeah. you've made it through uh, the second episode, likely, uh, thank you and and we appreciate you. Six cents makes change. But you heard me? Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media.